Hello and welcome to the Sustainability Leaders Series. I'm Oriel Morrison. Technological innovations are fundamentally changing the way we live, work and play, as well as being critical to solving the challenges of climate change and a powerful enabler across the value chain. Joining us now to talk more about the role of technology is Winston Chow, Associate Professor of Science, Technology and Society at Singapore Management University. Professor, welcome. It's great to have you with us today. Now, you've spent a lot of time on the impact technology has had and, of course, is still having on our lives. Are we innovating fast enough? Uh, firstly, thank you for having me here. To answer your question, yes, I think innovation is proceeding well because it's responding to the important challenges that uh, climate disruption, climate change is having uh, all across societies around the world. So there is that impetus uh, in order to develop technology and innovation in, in order to provide a viable solution for a whole swath of society as we deal with climate change. Mm. Do we need to rethink the way we approach technology, you know, when we think about the traditional approaches to technology? Yes, we should. Um, previously, I think a lot of the thinking behind how we apply technology as a solution has been rather siloed. One way to rethink or to reimagine it is to view uh, view view uh, climate solutions as how it affects a system so i worked uh, i work in a I, I work in terms of looking at climate impacts i research on climate impacts and climate change we find out that uh, that looking at solutions uh, across the entire urban system uh, we can see how best uh, like better urban design or or uh, new technologies in transport can affect different aspects of the urban system and urban society. And we can see that uh, thinking across silos can help tremendously with uh, looking at how effective these, these solutions can be. Can you point to one place, Professor, where it will have the biggest impact? I mean, we know that, for example, in healthcare, innovation in technology is saving lives. We know that in finance, it's allowing inclusivity, you know, on a global basis. Can you point to one place when it comes to climate change and sustainability that technology will have the biggest impact? Uh, I can think of two, actually. Uh, one is with energy use. We know that the biggest drivers of climate change come from our addiction. I'll be frank, our addiction with fossil fuels to generate uh, electricity for cities and settlements and power infrastructure throughout. The technologies towards renewable energy, that I think is essential and is the best way forward to enhance our mitigation goals as a, as a, as a society and as a planet, and as well as uh, you know, address the, the, the broader sustainable development goals. But the second thing I want to point out is that don't be so fixated as technology as an, as, as, as an end. It is a means to an end because we have to address who uses the technology. So you talked a bit about inclusivity and we have to make sure that everyone on this planet, we, we are one society. Well, you, you just talked about detrimental impacts. This is interesting because there is a significant downside that comes along with some parts of technology. I mean, electrical devices, if you look at that for one, responsible for 27% of greenhouse gas emissions. How do we balance out that downside? Because on top of that, then you've got e-waste, which is a huge problem. We can try and balance that out, as I said, through the human aspect. 
Education is one thing. If consumers, if policymakers, if stakeholders understand that uh, you know, technology is not a panacea, it's not a, a silver bullet to all our answers. If we understand that uh, the, 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 the excessive waste, the e-waste issue can be addressed by people being more cognizant that there is that sort of footprint involved in extracting resources and using them. Uh, if we move away from, let's say, a, a fast fashion culture towards more sustainable consumption, then that that sort of drive, that sort of that the human uh, understanding from, with that information that, that, that people are aware of this, this impact there, it can help change behaviors. It can help change the demand side of this market equation for, for, for consumers to demand more sustainable products, for instance. So people on the, on the supply side can then respond accordingly. And the net result is that we improve our overall sustainable development. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all hoping for that. Uh, Winston, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Winston Chow with us there. Wavemaker Impact is the first climate tech venture builder in Southeast Asia. Its goal is to reduce 10% of global carbon emissions. I'm joined now by Marie Chong, founding partner of Wavemaker Impact. Marie, welcome. Now you focus your time and your investment where you can have the most climate impact. How do you measure that? Hi, thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to share a bit more about Wavemaker Impact and for having me. So we, we choose to focus on uh, carbon uh, CO2E, so carbon emissions equivalent uh, as our kind of North Star metric. Um, and we're looking to build companies that uh, have the potential to abate 100 megatons of CO2E at scale and be $100 million businesses. So our criteria is to try and find uh, businesses that have a very direct link to, to you know, real world change. So changing behavior or accelerating the deployment of technology um, that, that's how we, we, we kind of measure and quantify the impact that we have. Mm. How much more attention are you getting now and how much more are people coming to you to help them build and find these solutions than, say, two to five years ago? I mean, I think, first of all, there's a huge paradigm shift in the way that, um, you know, a lot of people and a lot of businesses are starting to think about the importance of climate and the importance of building climate resilient business models in order to, um, you know, in, in, in order to, to, be, to build sustainable and long lasting businesses in the future. So I think there's, there's a lot more interest in the space. But the reason that we decided to, to start a climate tech venture builders is simply because we didn't feel that there were enough entrepreneurs and enough companies that were looking at the biggest driver of emissions in the region. Um, as an example, you know, we, we hear this stat all the time that there's over 100 um, electric two and three wheeler companies in, in India, for example. Um, mobility is only 13% of the emissions in Southeast Asia. And, and yet globally, it attracts 60% of the funding. So, you know, on the other hand, you know, on one hand, all the investors and all the money is, is, is going into a particular space. And yet, you know, not enough is being focused on the biggest drivers of, of emissions, which are things like land use change uh, and agriculture, uh, energy in the built environment. So since the start of the wave maker journey, how many successful ventures do you have? So uh, we, we launched at the end of October last year. Um, and since then, we've uh, made investments in two ventures. Uh, the first is a company called Agros. I believe um, Max is, will be uh, joining us as well. Um, that looks to decarbonize smallholder horticultural farmers in Southeast Asia. The second company is uh, WasteX, 
which is looking to help small uh, agri-producers such as uh, SME rice mills or palm oil mills um, upcycle their waste into higher value, climate positive um, uh, byproducts that then can be sold for a much higher uh, value than their current waste streams are. We're currently working on, on, on another build uh, with, with a, a founder that will be all about uh, accelerating the deployment of solar uh, in the region. And given the environment that we're in right now, Marie, how quickly do you think Wavemaker is going to grow? Well, uh, you know, our, our plan is to, is to you know, uh, build uh, 15 to 20 companies with our first fund uh, and to really prove this model that you don't have to think about impact or dollars, but you can bring the two together. Um, and, you know, we're hoping with our first uh, five or six companies, we'll show enough traction and track record uh, to enable us to, to, to raise a much larger fund which can then expand our efforts in the region, but then also start to look beyond. So, you know, our whole model starts with creating a carbon map for the region. Um, and this is important because emissions are incredibly decentralized, they're incredibly local, and they're embedded. So if you want to know what's really going to make a difference in the, in the region that you live in, then you have to understand, you know, where your emissions are coming from. Well, we look forward to uh, watching you grow. Marie, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us your story. Thank you. Agros has a vision to double the return on investment of 100,000 crop farmers while reducing greenhouse gas emissions all by 2030. We're joined now by Max Nealon, founder and CEO. Max, welcome. How did the idea of Agros come about? How are you So great to be here. So yeah, Agros started two years ago when I was still working as a consultant for NG Factory, which was an incubator for new companies. And we're looking at how to use renewable energy um, to decarbonize agriculture across the region. And after traveling uh, uh, across multiple countries um, across the region, we identified there was a unique opportunity um, to launch a new, new venture. Well, why do you think investors are so interested in what you're doing at Agros? Yeah, it's this. Um, the thing is that when everyone talks about reducing emissions, the obvious investment is always uh, electric vehicles. Um, and other things. Uh, one that is always overlooked is agriculture because a lot of people don't really know uh, how to um, reduce those emissions. It's a very complex, uh, it's very dis dispersed across uh, 500 million smallholder farmers, for example. And so they're very interested when they hear our unique solutions, which combines technology, inputs, financing, and advisory um, as a holistic solution to reduce those emissions, as well as um, a component for farmers that allows them to increase their profits. So it's really important for us that we're just not gonna reduce their emissions without them benefiting from it. Um, so that's really key. So what's the next step for, for Agros? You said you've got a capital raise coming up? Yeah, so we got a capital raise coming up. I think we're now active in, in two countries. We wanna use that capital to expand to a third country and uh, launch our second product line. So for now we have one product line in two countries and we're gonna expand two product lines in three countries, as well as grow the team and penetrate our existing markets. Mm. What's the biggest hurdle that you're facing at the moment, Max? I think it's the, the fragmentation of the smallholder farmers. Uh, so we're talking about farmers with between five, one to five hectares. Um, so it's the customer acquisition is keeping that cost down, but also the effectiveness of how many farmers you can realistically onboard within a month. That's two factors where we're constantly looking at to lower that cost down, as well as making a more factor through digital means and working with existing cooperatives to tap into groups of farmers rather than one by one. Mm.
Okay. Uh, Max, it's been great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on all that you're doing with Agros. Thank you so much. Great to be here. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Sustainability Leaders Series. I'm Oriel Morrison. For more, head to apacnetwork.com.